were here Friday evening, we talked about in our time of sharing that all of us must go in our journey of life to Bethlehem. Now, someone, not here this morning, I don't see him, did a little research. And, and because I told you I was going to use my phone, and then I thought, ah, as soon as I asked Siri or Alexa or whoever's on my phone to, to give me the directions to Bethlehem, sure enough, there would be a Bethlehem, Indiana, and it would just blow the whole sermon. Well, there is. There's a Bethlehem, Indiana. Thank you, John York, for doing that research. He gave it all to me. He gave me the miles and everything. It was just incredible. He was up late that night after Christmas Eve because his text was at 12 midnight. So he wanted to be the first to say Merry Christmas. And oh, by the way, there is a Bethlehem, Indiana mark, and it would have ruined your sermon. But we all must go through Bethlehem. We must go to Bethlehem. We must go to the manger acknowledging in trust and faith and belief that Jesus came as a babe incarnate, God and man, to begin the journey of providing the ultimate sacrifice for all so that we could be forgiven of our sins and brought back into reconciliation with God Almighty. If you haven't figured it out, folks, that's what the Bible's all about. It's a story about Jesus. It's about God's great love for mankind, whom he created for his purpose, for his glory and honor. And things just didn't happen, right, because of choices that were made that were wrong and brought and allowed sin. Because of man's desire to have all knowledge, both of good and evil. Thwarting God's perfect plan of a perfect garden where we would walk in fellowship with him day and night. And today we are still part of that journey. So as much as I told you you must go to Bethlehem, everybody has to. You can't stay at Bethlehem. Today I want to share with you that we must move forward once we've been to Bethlehem. Because the journey as we know it doesn't stop in Bethlehem. This morning I want to share some, again, some passages that we used the other night. We'll just pick a few verses from them. Because those that were involved in the celebration of Jesus' birth understood. They understood that they could not stay there in the confines of the safety of that manger. and the safety of that stable. And we all know the stories that were looming around about Herod and the evil that was going on. Jesus had a, a target on him from before he was born. And we read about in the scriptures about those folks that celebrated that night, how they understood that they could not stay in Bethlehem and could not just, just freeze time in the beauty of the birth of Jesus Christ. How many of you over the last few days kind of Maybe you had those quiet moments with just the tree illuminated at night. That's a, that's a favorite of mine. And just had some Christmas carols or maybe nothing going on. And just saw your tree and you, you just sat down and you breathed and you weren't worried about anything else. And you're thinking, can I, can I just freeze it for a little while and relish in the beauty of the season before something else happens or the next event is planned? If you'll turn with me to Matthew, if you don't know these two chapters in this scripture, by the time we get through today, uh, 
We've, we've looked at Matthew 2 and Luke 2 over and over the last few weeks. But we, we gloss over them and we glaze over them because it's the Christmas story. But it's interesting as you slow down to read it to, to see the different parts and all that is taking place and the different people that are involved in the personalities and the commitment, the commitment they have to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 2, look with me at verse 12. Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, and I won't read the, the ones before. This is the Magi's visit, and we talked briefly about this the other day, that there was probably a couple years that lapsed before they got there. In fact, when you read in the scriptures in many translations, it says when they got there, they went into a house. Well, they had moved from the stable probably into a house, and Jesus was probably roughly late one, two years old, all right? So they, they arrive there, they give the gifts, we read earlier in this passage, and now in verse 12 it says, And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. So they didn't overstay their welcome. How many of you, and you can say this in honesty in church, right? How many of you, with your great celebrations that you had, there come a moment you're thinking, oh, I'm kind of hoping they'll leave soon. <laughs> not because you didn't love them. Not because you didn't love them, but sometimes it gets a little overwhelming, doesn't it? All of a sudden, there's two of you in the house for all these, these days during the year, and all of a sudden, there's 45. Well, it just is like an intersection of all personalities, and it's not, again, that you don't love them. It's just... I just need to breathe. Magi said, after being warned by God, we got to go. And they had been warned by God not to go back in the same way. So they changed their course and they left. They left for their own country in another way. They understood that it could not stay in the stable. They must go. And as part of going, their disbursement by God was to share what went on and what they saw. So as Mark shared earlier, and he's going to see how God worked he and I together this morning, amazing. Why are we amazed at God? But your, your meditation, your call to worship was just spot on. Is that he dispersed so that the, the world would begin to be evangelized. And if we all stayed in the manger and froze in that moment, evangelism would not occur. Yes? That's why when we come to worship on Sunday morning, we make you leave. Because it's purposeful. We want you to not sit here and just be safe in the confines of this building, but rather that you take the nourishment that you've received prayerfully and take it out and live it in the world. All right? Now turn with me to Luke. Luke chapter 2 and one verse there. Luke chapter 2, verse 20. This recount by the doctor of the birth of Christ involves the shepherds. And we talked about this the other night, too, that the shepherds were out in the neighboring area, and they were given the message by the angels, and they then went. And so they were there to worship at the birth of Christ. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 20, they also understood the importance of not staying put. 
The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. So the shepherds, hey, they were thinking, man, this is a good break. We're warm. We're here in the presence of God through Jesus. And we're amongst people that are good and, and there for the same purpose. They could have just, well, let's just stay the night. The sheep will be okay. But they knew the importance that they couldn't just stay there. If we read over the scriptures, we see those recounts over and over and over again. Moses, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, when God called him through the burning bush. You know the story of Moses. God calls him in a burning bush. I mean, that's pretty powerful. And then for the next two or three chapters, all we hear is what? Moses complaining and saying why he can't go. I mean, excuse after excuse after excuse. But if you turn with me to Exodus, Old Testament, second book in the Bible, Exodus chapter 4, interesting chapters 3 and 4 to read of the book of Exodus, because Moses, Moses really had a, a talk back and forth with God in, in re regard to what God was asking him to do. But if you look at Exodus chapter 4, and then verses 13 and 14, it says this. But he said, please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Moses, last, please. Send somebody else, God. Now verse 14 wakes Moses up. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently, and moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in the heart. If you skip on down to verse 18, after God and Moses has this heart-to-heart, then, in verse 18, then Moses departed and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, now Moses is saying this to his dad, his father-in-law, please let me go that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see if they are still alive. Moses finally recounted and finally gave in after all these conversations with God. Moses finally went. He could no longer stay there because God called him to go and fulfill the purpose that God had for him. Noah, Noah, you know, it's amazing in the book that I'm reading now, it gives a lot of details about Noah. 120 years, they say, to build the ark. How many of you, when you're reading the account in the Old Testament of Noah and the ark, that you're thinking, oh, it just happened in a couple days, right? Because we read, that's how we read. We read very, in short amounts of time. But Noah took 120 years of his life to build an ark, which he had, he didn't, he had never seen a boat before. He took 120 years and went forward according to God's plan because he trusted and had faith in God. He didn't, he couldn't see beyond. He went day by day to build that ark because the God of all gods had called him to do that. He knew he must move forward and could not stay put. David, David went to take some food to his brothers, and all of a sudden he, he hears the scuttlebutt of what's going on, and he, he doesn't stop. He just says, let me go. Saul tries to put his armor on him to go fight the giant, and, and he, he gets over, overburdened by the armor, takes it off, and goes. 
David didn't stay on the side to watch what would happen. David left the comfort and the safety of where he was and followed the call of God to defeat Goliath. What had the nation been doing prior to David's arrival? The scriptures tell us that over and over, morning after morning after morning, they'd get up and there would be a cry from one side to the other, and they'd both, the Philistine army and the nation of Israel, would stay put. No one would come together to fight. In fact, David was so angry that Goliath used God's name in vain and challenged them that he moved and went forward and answered the response of God or the call of God in obedience to do what he was supposed to do. We could go on into the New Testament. Paul, he was a persecutor of Christians and became an incredible preacher. John the Baptist was born literally to prepare the way for Jesus. We could go on into our times. Billy Graham responded to the call of ministry and touched millions. Mother Teresa, as Mark pointed out, was called to where she went in a place so far away, Calcutta, to impact the impoverished and those without the Lord. A.W. Tozer, I spoke with somebody before the service about A.W. Tozer. Charles Stanley, still living with us today, he left the confines of wherever, whatever life was for him to answer the call to move forward and go where God wanted him to be. Now I'd like for you to turn to a scripture you've already heard, but let's look again to the, to the Gospel of Matthew. And when I heard Mark read this, I thought, wow, God, to God be the glory and honor. So if we're not to stay in Bethlehem, then what are we to do? If we're not to stay in Bethlehem, then what are we to do? See, the church, we must go forward with the message. The message is we're not to stay in Bethlehem. Well, then tell us what we're supposed to do. God has done that through Matthew chapter 28. He says in the last few verses, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The message has not changed. We are called to leave Bethlehem. We are called to catapult ourselves from this place and the celebration of this season to do the work that God has called us to do. He's called East Union Christian Church to move forward, not to stay back, not to relish in what we've done or what we've accomplished or what God's done through us in the past year, but rather get us ready so that we can move into a new year to go where God wants us to go. Two-letter word. Go, 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 go. Go with God. We are called to go with God. We are not to stay in Bethlehem, but we are to move forward from Bethlehem to do the things that God has called us to accomplish. He's told us here in this scripture to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and to teach. It says all people, all nations, we are to be involved in. So as a ministry, we can't do it all, but we can be involved in the fullness of God's ministry by doing what he's called us the best we can, giving all of our efforts in our time, our talent, and our means to seeing the gospel message played out before us. 
And there has been times, as we can read in the scriptures before now, that it has been tough. We can go back into the New Testament and see how they were persecuted, literally, physically persecuted, losing life and limb and everything else. We can read about that. And we read about it and put it back then. I'm telling you, folks, if we respond as God wants us to respond, the danger of that happening again is going to be real to us. We cannot be quiet. We cannot coat it over with icing. We must go forth with the truth of the gospel. We must share it in our homes. We must share it in the marketplace. We must share it where we work. We must share the truth of the gospel with the world. Why? Because that's what God's called us to do. He didn't call us just to survive until we die. He called us to live a righteous life right here, right now. And he has and will have an impact through each one of us as we avail ourselves to let his spirit move through us. We can and we will change the world. Not because of our efforts, but because of his spirit that lives within us. And empowers us to go forth. Many people say, Mark, I'm not sure what to do. Pray. Don't ask me. Ask God. I'll help you by all means. But God has a purpose. He created each and every one of us with a purpose to go forth and share the gospel message. Why? To bring glory and honor to himself. How many of you like a challenge? Okay. Well, whether you like it or not, you're involved in it. And it's not because I'm going to thrust it upon you. I'm going to thrust it upon you, upon you because that's the truth of the gospel. And it ain't going to always be pretty. You know, I never want to tell part of the gospel. I want to tell all the gospel. I want us to know all of it. And I stand before you today that in the scriptures... It could mean life for us. It could mean death. Oh, Mark, that's something that happens in Haiti. No. It's happening here little by little. I walked through the house yesterday. We had the TV on some of the Christmas specials, you know. And, and they just happened to be in Disney. And all of a sudden, these three stars, of whom I have no clue who they were, three singers, they were one of those little snippets in there. That were wishing Mary, or, well, they were giving greetings, I should say. And so as I come through, I'm hearing this familiar tune. The tune was, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. But the closer I got, the words weren't the words I knew and have known my whole life. We wish you a Happy Holiday, we wish you a Happy Holiday. I said, Bowie! This political correctness has to stop. Is there any problem with saying happy holiday? Not really. But there is because it chips away at the very foundation of what we're truly celebrating, and that's the birth of Christ. And if we stand by and just let that happen without trying to correct... Now, I'm sure my correction of them didn't go very far. Well, probably about five foot. But in our lives, we have to reflect the Jesus that lives. And if we don't, who will? And here's the other caveat to that, is that God expects you and me to do it. 
So there's no mulligan here. It's our responsibility to speak the truth in love. However hard, asking God, God, give me wisdom, give me courage, show me what to do, and then do it. How many of you watched the Christmas movie Elf? It's a funny one. I just, when he starts to go up the elevator, or the escalator, he never seen one before. It's pretty cool. Then he gets in the elevator. I, I mean, it, it's just through a kid's eyes with an adult costume. Amazing. On faith, we must move forward even though we haven't seen. This morning, I want to close with reading. I, I'm, I haven't finished this book yet. It's called, it's entitled Not Safe by Mark Batterson. If you would like a copy, I have several copies I'll share. Entitled Not Safe by Mark Batterson. And I want to share with you as we close this morning's service, as we think about we can no longer sit in Bethlehem. We must move forward. He says this, I want God to reveal the second step before I take the first step of faith. Are you there? Hey, God, show me the second step, and then I'll take the first step. We want to know what's out there that's going to happen before we jump in. But if I don't take the first step, he says, God generally won't reveal the next step. We've got to be obedient to the measure of revelation, of revelation God has given us if we want more of the revelation. We want more revelation before we obey more. But God wants more obedience before he reveals more. Most of us will only follow Christ to the point of precedence, but no further. We're afraid of doing what, we're never, what we've never done because it's unfamiliar territory. So we leave unclaimed the new gifts, the new anointings, and new dreams that God wants to give us. Listen closely to this. If you want God to do something new, you cannot keep doing what you've always done. You've got to push the past. You've got to push past the fear of the unknown. We want a money-back guarantee before we take a step of obedience. But that, but that eliminates faith from the equation. Sometimes we need to take a flying leap of faith.